the Protect Your Neck Podcast, UFC Vegas 27 Breakdown. Picks, plays, and whatever else comes our way. Let's go to work. Hot air hangs like a dead man from a white oak tree. People sitting on porches thinking how things used to be. Dark night. It's a dark night. Dark night. It's a dark night. What is up, you savages? This is the Protecting Neck Podcast, and I'm your host, Dan Tom. Analyst's work you can find over at MMAJunkie.com, but on this here program, the Protect Your Neck podcast, we break down high-level MMA. That's what we're going to do here today, tonight, whenever you're listening to this. Hopefully it's for the fight, as I'm recording this during weigh-ins. Weigh-ins are pretty much over, at least the main event is official. Some change-ups, which we'll get to. Holly and Piva's been hospitalized, wishing them the best, but... Uh, a guy who uh, used to take Michael McKenna's grappling class a decade ago has seemingly made his way to the mark. Obviously, he's done a ton of uh, excellent work on the regional scenes as an amateur and as a pro. That is uh, Juan Camilo Rondero, so we'll talk about him shortly, too. Uh, but first, check the timestamps, of course. Uh, real quick notes off the top, nothing crazy. Just a really quick recap of UFC 262. Going to try to keep this episode expedited, I dare say. And uh, we'll be jumping right to... Um, you know, maybe a quick note or two on Bellator 259. Of course, I wrote the main event breakdown, as I always do at MMAJunkie.com, as well as for this card, which we'll be breaking down, of course, the main course, UFC Fight Night 188, UFC Vegas 27. Formerly, I think we're getting rid of the UFC on ESPN Plus, as it would be, I think, 44, but it is UFC Fight Night Font versus Garbrandt, um, which it's always weird, because, like, Garbrandt was the champ, and he fought... Um, 35, or giving the UFC, but no, 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 Font did, I guess, technically, uh, with that Roop debut, but yeah, I don't know how that works, why he's, he's billed first, but neither here nor there, we'll get to that, check for the timestamps when that starts, and of course, as per usual, on all the breakdown shows, expedited or not, if you are expedited for time, as I don't blame you with the window that I tend to record these in this pandemic era, uh, which hopefully, you know, we'll get better at as things get better, right, hopefully, optimism, God forbid. <laughs> which is rare for me we'll see but uh yeah i'll try to i'll try to be better about these folks no no excuses um but yeah you can all skip to the very end where i recap my picks and plays for all these breakdown episodes so i'll keep my twitter handy in case there's any other crazy changes to the day but uh this should be a pretty up-to-date breakdown as up-to-date as you can get we'll see what we wake up to tomorrow or the day some of you listen to this on fight day which is totally cool really um, it's hard to beat the lines these days with what you're getting, who you're getting. You're not might getting your same guy. You got to research a little more. All the cancellations, yada yada. So I don't feel uh, as anxious of being late to that party and that be first and that thing that we all kind of get caught up on. Tis the culture. So you know, brass, breathe, relax, aim, stop, shoot. You know, use that Marine Corps shooting method to. Uh, to your bets there, and uh, best of luck. Hopefully, you did okay last week. We went, jeez. I mean, it seems to be the uh, the norm. Sadly, I mean, I, granted, you know, low C averages, high D averages seem to be my average overall. But man, it's been like fifty to you know D minus uh, lately. It feels like a, p- a picks, but picks and analysis, of course, are different things, and picks and bets are also different things. Um, 
not trying to hedge my, you know, hedge things there, but that's just that is that is the truth, though. Um, that being said, we will always recap. We also went, I think, four and three in straight plays. I fired out a lot of straight plays for barely watching this card. Of course, I spent half of it um, uh, in the hospital. Not me, uh, my, my girlfriend. She's doing good. Thank you guys for the well wishes and kind words. Um, it's been, yeah, things have been crazy. We'll see what we end up doing next week, folks. As far maybe I'll do I'll do a recap show. I'm going to save the Amazon reads for that. Um, but if you include the the two weeks off that like no MMA was going on to start the year, if we're kind enough to give them that stat, next week will still only be the fifth. You can still only use one hand. That's right. Will only be the fifth UFC free weekend, and it will only be, I believe. Again, four or so, if you count the two, where there was no MMA at all in the beginning of the year, first two weeks. But uh, if you don't count the two, I think it's still only two of those weekends were like, um, you know, either one, I think maybe in like only one of those weekends was like didn't have Bellator, because like, I think one of them was like UFC Free Week, and then Bellator won, and a bunch of other shit. Um, so it's like... Yeah, feeling it, feeling it. So it's like, you know, next week's an actual, like, no Bellator, no PFL, no UFC. But aside from a recap, last time there was one of these weeks, I overdid it, folks. And I think that's what burnt me out because I didn't take my breather. And what did I do? I think I gave you guys three shows. I did the, the recap with my man Brad, Brad uh, Tazchuk. Shouts to Brad. Um, and then we I did two top fives, right? So that I, I kind of overdid myself. Now I have a lot of top five guests in the waiting Fucking my man Chris Winnie's been waiting forever. By the way, shout out to Chris Winnie. Right? Just pre-ordered, um, just pre-ordered uh, the uh, sorry the fine the fine art of violence. So I have my original copy in front of me. I'm getting a copy two coming my way. I'm really stoked on that. Um, go to Chris Rennie, R I N I dot com, uh, and follow at at Rennie MMA. Um, he does the artwork for Bloody Elbow. Um, he does excellent art. You should support his art. Um, and his work uh just a good dude i've been meaning to get him on he recommended we do top five club and subs and he recommended another one apparently i'm gonna get him on for one of those uh and then i know my man uh shout out to uh dan albert uh typewriting uh da i should know his twitter handle by now um but uh of course you know, uh, as as Connor Rebush puts, you know, uh, he he hangs out with those vaping scooter kids at the fight site, as they say. Shout out to, of course, the fight dash site dot com, and uh, you know, one of my favorite analysts. Speaking of, uh, you know, uh, people in the space who are awesome, Ryan uh, Ryan Wagner uh, at Ryan A Wag MMA. Um, he uh, he came through with the Dan Tom Jerkoff GIF. I know it's weird. So now you guys can. Uh, <laughs> Take that and use that. I know. I know my man Pulver from TSOV Pod will was uh, asking for that one, so you guys can feel free to use it. Uh, it's a great gift if it wasn't me. You know, it's like for me, it, it sucks because I can't use it because it's like it's like wearing a T-shirt to the, of the band that you're gonna go see, or like I have I still have band T-shirts by the way. If anyone wants some Night Runs Red T-shirts from like fucking 15 years ago um like it's like if you wear if i wore one of my own band t-shirts it would just feel really douchey uh, but yeah you guys can feel free to you know spread the joy of jerking uh jesus dan where are you going with this uh you were on a yeah i was supposed to be recapping ufc 262 wasn't i um let, let's <laughs> got a little sidetrack stay on target 
Um, yeah, hopefully I didn't, you know, leave too, too many things hanging off that thread. It's early, folks, and I didn't sleep that well. I keep staying up late to watch shit. Like, I was watching... <sighs> we'll, we'll start something, and then the girlfriend will fall asleep, and then I'll my completest nature is stuck staying awake trying to finish things and, like, getting mad at, like, the people in Black Summer for not, like, closing doors behind them. Like, a new level of, of, of stupid people in horror movies, even for that genre and then i think i was watching i watched american me which was you know another pleasant thing to watch i was watching a bunch of world war ii shit like all week and then i kept having dreams of like fucking uh, you know like war and mayhem you know let me change things up you know prison rape (laughs) all right back to the recap on that note jesus dan wow uh There's a really funny YouTube review I did. I watched on it. That was totally me. I might have to share that. Um, yeah, so that that was went four and three in straight plays. Yeah, that's why I was in the hospital. Yeah, everything's all good. Thank you, guys. That was it. So I didn't watch a lot of these, so this recap will be quick despite my long <laughs> sidetrack there. Charles Oliver defeated Michael Chandler in the main event. Um, of course, I was wrong there. I, I did end up doing a small bias sprinkle, but that's all I really could do uh, for that kind of a fight. Um, the under was the smart move there. Hey, shout out to uh, Luca Furia. I see he's getting back into the uh, the the, uh, the 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 betting space there. Um, uh, always been nice to me. You know, said some kind things. Uh, so wish wish that guy uh, nothing's the best. But I know he was uh, he was he was talking about the under on Twitter as well. I mean, it was with all the layers of offense that really you know that really was the play. I mean. Um, it, it, it's it, even if Michael Chandler won, like I, not that I'm the big victory lap guy, but I, I really don't think I could victory lap that because it's like, dude, this fight was always going to be so crazy. And two, despite my bias, I'm still a Chucky Olives fan, folks. That's that's Chucky Olives, not Charlie Olives. There, shout out to the MMA analysis. Uh, those guys definitely deserve to do a victory lap or any old school uh, Du Bronx fans. Um, and again, how can you hate Du Bronx? Honestly, regardless of where you stand, where you picked. Uh, or, on that fight or, or played or whatever because uh yeah what that dude's been through uh the adversity and stuff you just you love to see it man you love to see it like uh you know he had that what do you call uh degenerative disease they said like he wasn't gonna walk when he was a kid and he was able to you know and it's funny you go back and like watch his first fight for darren elkins he, he kind of looks like that you know he's so skinny and awkward you know, he's still, like, maturing into his body because he's so young. Like, he's got, like, that deer and newborn legs look. <laughs> like, uh, that Forrest Gump when Elvis or whatever is doing the, the leg thing and his legs don't work and he's doing the dances. Like, like how's they do Bronx shuffling out to meet Elkins in the center? So, like, seeing how far that dude's come, like, my goodness. It's, uh, I, I, I did not, you know, I mean, I, you know, uh, Chandler will be fine, folks. I, mean, I, I hope he's okay, for, you know, concussive-wise, you know, from those shots. But aside from that, I mean, he's he's going to be fine. No need to worry about him. And, uh, you know, every reason to be happy for Oliveira, man. So, bias aside, man, uh, you know, couldn't be happier for who, whoever won that fight and couldn't be happier for Oliveira that it is him, new champ. Um, Benil Dariush uh, defeated, uh, or I should say, Benil uh, Prager Daryu uh, <laughs> defeated Tony Ferguson. Uh, that was really sad and, and one of the most predictable things. And, um, man, it sucks. It's just like, <laughs> MMA is going to be so MMA. Like, <laughs> I'm like, why are you booing Benil Daru? She's like the nicest guy. And I'm like, you know, he's, you know, he, uh, you know, I didn't watch the, the 
post fight presser, but I just saw him like wearing a yellow shirt with a butterfly on it. Like I went on that tangent, really inappropriate one last podcast. But I was like, yeah, can you not like dislike this guy? And then um, you know, I, I guess I don't follow things closely, which I guess there's a reason why. Uh, because I guess you know, Vinil Darius definitely, uh, from what I hear, is uh, into a lot of the the old Prager U and some, uh, you know, some definitely some uh, questionable politics. I like I like when he does his religious thing and he helps he helps people and does those things. That's that's all good. But uh, I was like, no, nah, I've never heard him espouse things. And sure enough, uh, <laughs> give him a mic in the post fight with the way things are going. You know, is a. You know, the Rose being a trendsetter there, but uh, of course he goes. <laughs> the greatest part is that he he goes and proves all those things I heard right, but then the crowd, of course, boos him ridiculously hard. Granted, you know, a lot of you know Latinos, and, you know, it was a pro Tony Ferguson fr- crowd. That's totally cool. I, I'm a pro Tony Ferguson guy as a fighter, so I get that. Uh, all good, but yeah, it was you know kind of ironic, like oh, the Middle Eastern brown guy. <laughs> They're booing him, but then he like does the show favor. He's like, "No, listen, I got the Trump Trump card. I'm one of you guys. I hate communism too. Down with the Marxist ideologies. Stand billionaires like Tesla, even though he's a douchebag, and everybody who stands him seems to be douchey. But I'm gonna throw myself in there, even though people like Dan Tom and others think I'm actually cool. But this is MMA, so we must challenge things. And the crowd was still like, you know, especially for the member. Back to all the people scolding me, saying they were booing Trump. They were they were booing communism. Like, well, here's a guy like you know espousing your beliefs for you, and you guys still booed him. Oh, because he's brown and he's from the Middle East. All right, uh, but uh, anyways, <laughs> MMA going to MMA, right? I think that's the easiest non-controversial way to put it. But I don't know. Dan Tom tends to call things like I see them, which is you know, I'm not even a fucking technically a journalist, but I guess that's bad in, in, in media space, although I thought that's what the job was. Anyways, neither here nor there. Um, good on Daryush uh, as a fighter. Uh, you know, happy for his, still happy for his climb, long back Benny, or I don't know if it was like Shuram from the fight site that suggested, like, fighters with big dicks, uh, that, that, that Benil Daryush is a quiet carrier. I think so. I think he is, you know, in, in his defense. You know, I know I question the man's uh, Prager po- politicos there, but, it, you know, I think he's probably carrying a big piece on him. I mean, you know, you look at the back and the way he kind of slumps, you know, but 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 slumps with confidence. It's like Musasi, right? All right, Dan, move on. Jesus Christ, move on. Virgilio Bontarine defeated Matt Schnell. Um, shouts to my man John John Rico, who always looks like Matt Schnell, but uh, yeah, did not fight a good fight there. Schnell did. And Bontarine, despite being short notice, miss, excuse me, missing weight in a weight class up, I believe he. Um, yeah, he showed like a pretty measured game, which is pretty crazy. Granted, what he was given, he was able to do it, so who knows. Caitlin Chukagan defeated Viviani Araujo. I didn't watch this one too closely to argue with the scorecards. I, you know, I saw some people tweet there was an argument for Viviani. I'm not sure. Uh, the fact is, Chuk going Chuk again, uh, as her name says, and she did, and I, I fell for the bait. It's like one of those fighters, like, you just can't help but bet against. She's, like, got that Max Roshkoff vibe. They're completely, not Max Roshkoff, um, what's his name? Who beat it? Austin Hubbard, or, you know, everybody, including myself, can't help but underestimate and bet against the person. Like, Chu Kagan's definitely got that. And, um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what to say about, uh, dug, dug a bit too deep into, uh, <laughs> What everybody was talking about, because I was late to that part. I was like, oh, Jesus Christ. 
Uh, MMA fighters. Anyways, uh, Edson Barboza defeated uh, Shane Burgos. Um, you know, although I thought the kicks would be more of a thing, I, I was right on this one, and I did state the boxing differences, um, both in power, um, how, how, you know, it was dangerous to underrate Edson there, especially at featherweight, and not just his power, but the technique that he's been doing. And I think those things came to light. Um, and I was surprised, even like people I, I respect, not only were, you know, uh, and there were the people picking Barbosa that I respect too, don't get me wrong, but like a lot of analysts were even picking Shane Burgos. And I think just because of the, the whole pressure analogy, which I get, but it was just so strange that all the examples everybody cited, nobody cited Dan Hooker which it ended up kind of being like in its own way, uh, and uh, or uh, Bobby Green, uh, which were fights that, were, of course, I were citing as far as how this one would go. And, uh, you know, there you go. That Did I see the crazy TKO third round like that? No. And, man, that was scary, and I hope Shane's okay. I think he's going to be a new father times two, so you really want to see these guys be okay. Um, you know, especially when they're not super deep into their career yet which Shane Burgos isn't, arguably, right? So that being said, Edson does deserve uh, some nice fights next. Uh, good on Edson Barbosa. Andre Muniz defeated uh, Jacare Souza. Sounds like I cashed this as well, but I'm glad I missed it because that was really sad. Uh, arm break. Um, I also cashed uh, Lando Venata defeating Mike Grundy. But that was crazy. Split decisions, 30-27 going both ways. I, I wasn't able to watch this fight either. So I, I, I can't tell you. But it's just disturbing to see 30-27s in both ways, obviously. Uh, I'm not going to blame Texas because that's MMA judging. There was a lot of familiar names. Um, you know, we didn't get no Joselis, although there were some local names too, granted. But not going to pick on Tejas. Uh, Jordan Wright defeated Jamie Pickett. Um... I'm glad I ended up staying away from this one and missed the picket dog money because it was not right. Right was right. Uh, and I missed that fight, so I can't say much, as well as the Andrea Lee submission, which cashed uh, plus money, not the sub. I, I took just plus money for coverage, kicked for coverage there. Against Antonina Shevchenko, don't really have analysis there. Uh, man, Priscilla Cache defeated Gina Mazzani. Glad I stayed away from that one. Uh, sucks for Gina. Uh, you know, the referee stand-up was really inopportune. And uh, she wasn't able to recover uh, enough in time in that position. And uh, Cashaweta stepped on her, man. Picked up the pack. So, did what she needed to do. Tucker Lutz, um, Rafael Sunsau Light, defeated Kevin Aguilar, who... I think I've only picked him twice out of these four losses, but... Uh, I, I'm mad at myself because I, I, I called him being overrated early and then should have just stuck to it. That being said, stylistically, there were some matchups that I thought he could win, whether it was Charles Rosa or this one. And, uh, yeah, it was, was wrong there, even with the new training camp and whatnot. Although I guess he did end up staying with his old team as well. He just kind of cross-trained a bit maybe for some sparring with Lando and uh, Borg. So who knows there. But, um, yeah. That's that sucks to see. Not, not enough camp would have made a difference, to be honest. But Lutz is a guy who's going to be, uh, like I said, real deceptive to fight. It's like a half aisle sun south can stymie guys. Christo Siagos defeated Sean Soriano um, by submission. Good on Christos. And Sean looked good in the first. Hopefully he gets another shot there. All right. Uh, 20 minutes roughly for that recap as we push on into 
UFC 262. Um, yeah, not much to say about Bellator 259. I got my, you know. Wishing Leslie Smith well, but I got the uh, Cyborg. Uh, I got Cyborg. I got that breakdown up at MMAJunkie.com, as well as for the main event right here uh, for Rob Font versus Cody Garbrandt. I don't think it's up yet. It's As I'm recording this, it should be up uh, shortly. Um, again, with all the craziness from this week, it's been hard trying to lock my doggies down to have them a place to stay as I try to prep for this funeral uh, next month, going back home for a little bit. Um, and I'll still be working that week too because there's like three events that week. So maybe I might take like the two weeks after it off. Um, we'll see. I don't know. I I gotta get on this soon. I haven't had time to look at anything, so <laughs> it's just been fucking crazy. So we'll try to get through this pretty fast. Although I do have some decent amount to say. So I did do a decent amount of study for this. Is a, such a fun fight of bangers at 135 between Rob Font and Cody Garbrandt. Um, yeah, man. Uh. Both guys have been pretty inactive, only fighting kind of once a year lately um, for different reasons, both dealing with injuries, uh, although Garbrandt more severe. He had the early back issues or long-time back issues, which is always worrisome. You don't know when that's going to come back or how well that is. Um, I don't know if he had concussion stuff, uh, shoulder, hand, uh, COVID, yeah, uh, and this isn't the reason for my pick. If I'm tipping my hand already on my pick, I'm going to be picking Rob Font because this isn't a, a, a fight where you could be super confident in. Um, if there was plus money next to the names, which there's not really for either, as I think it's minus 115 Font, minus 105 Garbrandt at the time of this, if there's a plus money next to Font, then perhaps maybe I would sprinkle a little bit, but I'm not super confident. You know, um, From an easy read, it's like, Garbrandt's not going to submit him. Even if he's been working on his ground game, it's hard to depend on that. Uh, and Font has uh, never been knocked out, and he's pretty durable and recovers fairly well. So you're like, okay, if you know Font should be able to outwork him, find a knockout early or late or outwork him. And there's truth to that uh, perspective, but it's not the only perspective, and it's not the only truth, obviously. Um what I found interesting, and as you guys can kind of tell, what I what I what, you know, a lot of the points I try to make, and a lot of the clips that I end up posting, because I'm you know trying to build that library for these breakdowns to help add to and and, and whatnot. But um, Cody Garbrandt um, can attack the legs when he wants to. Um, he did it a bit in the Cruz fight, and over five rounds, and he did it uh, in his last fight against the Sun Sao, which you forget about because everyone thinks about the highlight knockout. But he actually hurts the Sun Sao a bunch of times. Does a before that uh, does some cool stuff and um, is pretty consistently attacking the legs both sides, which is uh, going to be a very useful note because Font has traditionally taken um, damage there at a fairly high clip. However, um, no one seems to land more than like you know, 10 or so. And even when they're hard, they're able to do it in a quick succession, like the Pedro his Pedro Munoz fight. Unlike Garbrandt, who was bothered by the calf kicks and, and didn't even get hit by as many, because unless we not forget, a lot of these criticisms about the lobby on Font can also be lobbied on Garbrandt, although Garbrandt's just much, much more fleet of foot and harder to catch. Nevertheless, um, Font... Is known for his jab, obviously, and if you jab or fight from a boxing-centric stance, 
tend to put a little bit of a disproportionate weight toward the lead foot, which can make it harder to defend and easier to absorb the bulk of calf kicks, leg kicks, etc. Uh, so you mix those in, it could be problematic. However, you look at the stats and Font, uh, and I think in the Lineker and the Munoz fight, both, you know, as he's seen, tends to lose to these Brazilian guys. The, uh, even though he, he whooped up on uh, Douglas De Silva, I shouldn't say that. But um, you, you see the visible damage, and those are kind of the highest lands, right around the 10 or so mark for each of them. Um, you see more visible damage in the Munoz fight, even though it's only around, which is the crazy part, right? Um, but Munoz actually, I think, hurts under the body and then hurts him up top with a left hook. And Rob Font, he hasn't been stopped, but he's actually been hurt and rocked a, a couple of times. Now, he usually recovers well, but the problem is when Rob Font is hurt or even when he hurts guys, which can be problematic, right? He, 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 he'll go for takedowns. He's got a really underrated wrestling game. He's really been working hard on it as well as his jiu-jitsu game. And he's now a legitimate Brazilian jiu-jitsu brown belt, you know. Um, and his frame, like he could even entangle a guy like Cody, but Cody's such a damn explosive, good scrambler. It's so hard to count on that. Uh, but yeah, Font can shoot for takedowns, and that was kind of what ended him against Munoz, right? Whereas Garbrandt, um, he panicked in, in, in a different way and went and just went balls crazy, right? But his was more because of the leg kicks were bothering him. Um, he did get headbutted. Granted, but uh, you know, I think the leg kicks really forced the issue there. So it'll be interesting to see if Garbrandt does it. However, like I said, Font has only shown to take max around ten, um, whether in fights he wins or loses, fights that only go around or go three, whether he wins or loses, right? And in those fights, I don't think it was the leg kicks that made him lose. It was the pressure of Lineker and Munoz. And him not being able to defuse it. Um, Lineker wasn't as dangerous, even though he had a has a decent guillotine himself, granted. Um, and some underrated wrestling himself. But he wasn't as dangerous as Munoz in that area on paper, obviously. But Font, you know, that fight was, what, five years ago now? Over five years ago. Um, half a decade ago. His wrestling wasn't up to snub, so when he went to outlet for that pressure, he was getting shut down. Plus the crowd in Brazil at an all-time high. One of the biggest record crowds in Brazil, 198. Um... It was a big learning lesson for him, right? Uh, whereas Cody Garbrandt, it's hard, whether you stick to the plan or not, because shout out to, again, at Brad's Chuck, he tweeted this, but I, I, I just want to cite him because I agree. Uh, and I even went back to rewatch, and I agree that, you know, you, you forget, um, again, you, Cody Garbrandt is such a highlight fighter. You think about all the highlights, you don't think about the other parts, whether they're good parts or bad parts of him. And... I'm not trying to do revisionist history. Cody Garbrandt, Garbrandt clearly won that fight against Dominic Cruz. But what I am saying is that, you know, it was closer than you think. Uh, Garbrandt had more questionable moments than you thought, whether it was his pacing. Because granted, it, and it, it, it's a good excuse. It, you know, even though Masterclass gets thrown around, obviously, with that fight, he it was his first one round, uh, going five rounds. So for him to be questionable at pacing during some parts is perfectly normal. But there was that to watch out for because... Garbrandt seldom been to the third round, much less in championship rounds. So I'm not sure how much of an advantage, if any, he'll have against Font, a guy who looks like he really works on his strength and conditioning and has one of those endless skinny guy motors, right? Um, but uh, you go back and look at that Cruz fight, and you know it was closer than you know um, 
then you realize, and I'm not even going by this, the, the um, fight metric stats, which, you know, Cruz actually outlanded him and outworked him in almost all the rounds, if you look at it by that way. But it takes out of context the hard, meaningful counters that Cody did hit. Again, he, he won the fight. But um, if you look at it, he starts the leg kicks pretty early, but he kind of gets away from him. And that's something common I notice with a lot of fighters. It's really hard to stick to something new or implement. It's hard to A, stick to a game plan in the heat of a fight, no matter how high the temperature is turned. And Garbrandt, for better or worse, his fault or not, his fights tend to have a high temperature on them. And B, when fights, regardless of the temperature, you're trying to implement new stuff or, or newer strategies to whatever the said strategy is for said fight. Um, fighters, it's not just, a, it, you know, casting aspersions on Garbrandt because of his well-noted temper and attitude, which, again, in this Cruz fight, worked perfectly for him. He look, he walks in looking like he's going to be Hothead Cody uh, before we knew the extent of Hothead Cody back then, right? That's what I thought. And, and, and then, sure enough, he's the one that's frustrating Cruz. But uh, there's a lot of notes on that fight, too, is Cruz is visibly in the worst shape ever. This is also the mark of not just on paper where you could project where he should start to downfall by age and miles, but where he visibly starts to downfall. And even though he's still fighting and pulling out victories as a veteran, which should be deserved respected, uh, especially if he's doing it in his limited state that he is now, uh, you know, referencing that Casey-Kenny fight, um, even that Cruz looked way better and faster. It looked like something was wrong with his foot, and Cruz, there always was injuries, but he he tried his best not to make him his excuses. But even before it came out that he came into that fight with a foot injury, you could tell just by rewatching it. He's he's the slowest he's ever been. It's it's essentially the worst Cruz, and it's like yeah, Garbrandt, a speedy counterpuncher in his prime, um, coming from a camp who spent the better part of a decade preparing for that guy. Yeah, he was going to have some success in hindsight now that we think about it, right? And I'm not trying to diminish that victory. It was a really awesome one from Garbrandt. But I'm just trying to bring balance to that perspective. Um, and in that fight, he, over five rounds, I think he went landed 10 of 14, which is a really good clip. But he does most of it early and gets away from it. And the point to that is, is now you fast forward to... Um, this regroup version who's still fighting under team alpha male, but he's also inquired the services of Mark Henry. That is Garbrandt. Um, he actually, I think he does almost the exact same stat 10 for 14 leg kicks against the sun Sal and was well, essentially two rounds. Cause it's a buzzer beater, right? So the fight's essentially two rounds um, knocks him out at the end of the second, but he, he does the exact same. So you could say that's a good sign uh, because you notice more pace, you, more activity uh, to fill space with that lead hand under Henry. And perhaps that was a byproduct of that. You see that translate directly into the numbers. Henry is very much, uh, Mark Henry, very much a numbers guy, right? So that you could look at that, that's a good sign. He's going to need to, uh, and it is a good sign on, on a basic level. You know, and he is going to need to attack those legs. But he's never, to this point, attacked more than 10 of those light kicks. And, you know, it can take maybe just one or two of the right place calf kicks to really fuck up a guy's night. But everybody's been kicking Font's legs, and it doesn't seem to bother him. He almost has that Max Holloway-like durability. And a lot of his game, I could see why that camp wanted to take a fight with Max, even though it went really bad for Cater, obviously, right? Um, and obviously not the same level, not the same height or length. But Font is pretty long, and watching him, man, he's got a lot of Max Holloway to him. I don't know if someone was trolling. I, I saw a tweet going around trying to compare Garbrandt to Aldo. Um... 
which I can't really do, obviously. Uh, but uh, I don't know if that person came across it the same way uh, I did, which it got shut down real quick in my mind. But it was because I at least I was comparing Font to Max Holloway. And um, he has a lot of that vibe in him. The way, you know, from the way he's letting his shifting combinations fly back in that Douglas Silva-Diandraj fight. And he's showing a lot more southpaw looks here. And in fact, we didn't really get to see it. But against a guy who I got to imagine was going to try to kick his legs, which he didn't, by the way, because he went with a complete different game plan. That is Marlon Moraes with takedowns. He actually attempts zero leg kicks in that short round one firefight. But the little detail that I missed the first time is that Rob Font, he comes out of that fight looking to fight Southpaw. Now, Font's not like a normal stance switcher where he like bullshits you and then just throws a, a, a really obvious naked lead body kick, right? Um, which, unless your name is Giga Chikatsa, you're not going to get away with that very well, I don't think, at least anyways. Um, Font's very clever, though. He's more like, like uh, not because Holloway fought a lot of Cub in Southpaw, um, and I like Southpaw Holloway, but uh, Holloway will also just kind of cleverly shift in combination, and that's more of what traditionally Font did. He actually came out looking to fight Southpaw, and I'll be curious if he does that again here. Um, which would be dangerous. It'll line up Cody's. It'll really invite Cody's um, lead right, cl clean up, hitting left hook um, that he traditionally likes to throw. Um, but uh, that'll be. I'll be curious to see that. Secondly, similar to Max Holloway, where you can get tricked and he does get hit by a lot of leg kicks. And if you're a guy like Volkanovski, you might not be able to cripple him, but you can um, win, still win rounds and win the fight from it, right? So you, you know. Font's still got to be careful here with the leg kicks accruing. But he seems very Max Holloway-esque, not just in the durability and then the way he'll fire off of him and use him to counter. Because, like, a lot... But um, he actually has some evasive stuff, too. He'll, he'll do subtle checks. He'll get out of the way of them. He'll do uh, slow, deliberate shifts or, or mar kind of marches as he steps forward to kind of draw them out or give different looks and change up the looks of the striking in case they are looking for legs and then start sticking them up high. Or since, again, remember that Rob Font actually came from uh, Mark Delagrati. I think he's like some kind of a, a ranking in like the traditional ranking of Muay Thai. I forget what it's called. Um, he actually has it in his bio. But he's really good with leg kicks as well. And if a guy starts kicking his legs, he'll start kicking them back in return. Or what he'll do is he'll either return kicks or Font, if he knows a guy wants to kick his leg, he'll kick their leg first, knowing that's going to make them definitely kick back. And as soon as they kick back, he's got a one-two, um, just hardwire counter, and he's going to sit on. It's almost like he knows his legs are durable. Um, and, and so I don't know if that's going to be a promised land, but it, I felt it was worth highlighting. However, if I was coaching, I would still coach against Font. I would still coach to attack legs, but I would, I would – say more to the body because font um tends to shell a bit and he's he's long as long torso for bantamweight um his body's going to afford that by the way i laugh how they're both listed at 5'8 under ufc.com they're giving him the uh, Hoffa, uh, 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 uh they're giving him the Rafael dos años treatment garbrandt because garbrandt i'm surprised being him listed at 5'7 which is what he's been traditionally listed at but garbrandt's definitely 5'6 whereas rob font is like closer to 5'9 I'm 5'9", and I'm taller than Font, but, like, uh, he's definitely closer to 5'9", five, five, uh, than he is 5'7". So these guys are going to be listed at the same height, 
but in reality, they're an inch apart, and visually, they're going to look two inches apart. It's going to be hilarious, folks. But, you know, you know how Dan Tom loves calling this shit out, and, it, and, it, and it's one of my most accurate reads when they go to face off, so there's that. Um, but, uh, so th- that'll be interesting as far as the leg attacks go, to see if they're as valuable as as they may be, as that, that trend may, may lead you to believe. But with the whether it's the leg kicks, it's the overall output that I noticed with Henry, right? That's his MO, right? And it's good because it's going to keep Garbrandt in a line and process, and he's a very low-output fighter, which can be dangerous, and is an emotional fighter, which can be dangerous. So if you're looking at it from like a doctor perspective and a prescription, that's a great prescription. However, I'm curious because not only have we not seen Cody... Um, you know, in three round fights, much less five round ones a lot, right? But, and not only are we going to see Cody post COVID, right? And post all these health issues. Uh, but we're going to see Cody, if we do, this fight does go long, which I don't see it going long either way, folks, by the way. Um, I'm thinking about laying the other two and a half at minus 130. I haven't laid it yet, but I'm thinking about it because I do see this ending. Uh, I do like that, that frame. Um, but, um, if it goes longer, again, another reason why I'm not sure Garbrandt will have the edge is because how is he going to look with the Mark Henry pace, right? I mean, with his low output pace, he had to like even kind of measure himself even more and like do bullshit, trash talk, and a lot of resets. A lot of that was buying time. Um, and he also helped use it smartly to further frustrate Cruz. So it was smart. Great. It worked for him. Not hating, but I am genuinely wondering what, what's that going to look like with the mark henry pace that mark henry is going to be calling for what's what's garbrandt going to be feeling like between rounds fighting so far against type against a guy who puts a lot of offense out there and his defense may not be great which is why that first round i expected to be kind of aldo holloway-esque and you know um it's like max knew he was going to get countered and hit hard that round and even though he was still able to apply pressure on Aldo, that invisible pressure without throwing a lot, which Font can also do, um, I still feel like he, he should have, even though he ended up winning that fight, and that's one of my more prouder calls, is that breakdown? Um, uh, call, calling the Mac Holloway over Aldo one. But uh, I still remember just being like, oh, you need to throw more, Max. You need to throw more. And uh, I wonder if Font's going to be up in his shell for this, you know, or if he's going to come out throwing, uh, you know, knowing he's going to get countered, but knowing he can hit the harder shots, he is the more durable man, and he can get his reads and get his jab going. Um, but if Cody can read that jab, if, if Font doesn't feign it, then that's going to be problems. But one of the reasons why I picked Font is because he didn't do a really good job at feigning his jab early uh, with Delagrati, uh, and you can even hear commentary kind of picking up on that. And... uh Tyson Chartier, man, uh, you know, yeah, give him credit because it, it's funny. This is a rough adjusting period uh, where I think Font loses not too long um, around when Calvin Cater loses to uh, Moicano, right? Because they're adjusting. I don't know what happened with the Mark Delagrati stuff or if maybe Mark stopped coaching in that full capacity and couldn't. Uh, and uh, Tyson was already managing and, and coaching them as well, so... They did the New England cartel thing now. But after that adjustment period, and those guys both take a, a loss around the same time in 2018, um, 
at least for Font, the fainting really steps up, and you hear Tyson really saying it in his corner, which I like. It's really needed. And it's going to be very much needed here because if Garbrandt gets a read, you know, um, we could maybe we see something like where he, he, he hurts him enough and gets him off his game enough to use that momentum to kind of build the victory like Lineker did, right? Even though Lineker didn't get a finish. Maybe we see something like that. But, again, five rounds is a long way to go for Cody to, to stay in line if he can't get Font out of there, um, which is why I'm going to go with Font. Both these guys have really good eyes and exchanges. Uh, they adjust well on the fly. But, um, but, but I still feel like uh, Font has uh, the better improvisation, whereas Cody... His improvisation is he, he gets mad and goes to Cody gear, right? That's his second gear, um, which is not going to be good. Uh, even if he's got a tentative font, he's able to scare font off, but then goes too crazy. He can just give the fight right back because we've totally seen that before. And font can't, can counter, although I wrote this note, I wish he threw more check hooks, and I also remember saying that about Calvin Cater. Uh, as that was a big key reason why I didn't uh, one of the one of the key reasons why I should say uh, why I didn't like his chances against Max. So I wrote here more check hooks for New England cartel, and that is something really worthwhile to look at because a lot of things that hurt Cody are check hooks. So that is um, worrisome. But I do like the front kicks uh, and the knees of Font as well. I think those are going to be worth watching out for. I'm going to go Font by knockout. Um, by the end of the second round. Uh, I may play the under two and a half, uh, but that's all that I play, and I, I ain't taking a side on that one. All right, I'll try to go fast on these next ones. Yan Jiao Nan minus 125, Carla Esparza plus 105. I also got love for Carla and want to take her as a dog to upset these girls, and especially now that Tatiana Suarez is out of the mix for the foreseeable future uh, at strawweight, as I wish her the best at flyweight, of course. Um, Carla is like, still one of the lone wrestlers of this division, and that alone is going to always serve her well. And that, you think, would be the kryptonite to these Wushu Sanda striking phenoms from China. That is Yan Zhaonan. However, um, Yan's been training up at the States. She did some time at Jackson Wink early. Thankfully, she left that a few years ago and has been mainly working out here in Vegas the last couple of years. She also did some of this camp at Team Alpha Male. But last couple of years, whether she's been fighting or not, I like it because she's been consistently training uh, with grapplers that I know here in Vegas. Shout out to Bryce Harley, by the way, uh, wrestler. I'm pretty sure he's a Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt, and he coaches a lot of the fighters. I know he's working with Misha Tate. He works with a lot of the female fighters, uh, works a lot with Claudia. And I think after they fought, that's she fought Claudia. That's where the connection was made. And Yan essentially is working with all like Claudia's people down here now. Um, a lot of good grapplers, good wrestlers. MMA fighters her size. Um, I didn't hit up Bryce for a three-one-one, by the way, but I, I know he's been training uh, for a while uh, with her, so that's a really good sign against someone like Carla. And then also other things like just her boxing getting better, like her jabs, her pulls, her counters, um, things that aren't necessarily Wushu Sanda specific. <coughs> She's even you know sharpening her striking arsenal, which is great. Uh, so, yeah, I'm a big Yan fan. I'm going to pick her here. It's a playable line at minus 125. I just, uh, I, I just, I don't know. I, I respect Carla, and um, I, I got to see Yan pass the test of a girl with a better gas tank than Gedalia. No offense to Gedalia. So, no play on a side. I'm going to take uh, Jean-Anne. Uh, 
probably fight going over is pretty safe, but I imagine it's juiced all to hell as it is. Yep. So uh, that'll be the pick there. Yan Jianan by decision. Um because Carla's tough, and I like her attitude going into this one, too. Shout out to the TSN MMA show. Really good interview with Carla. Uh, Justin Toffa, minus 185. Jared Vendera. I, Vendera, give me sight beyond sight. Um, took a flyer on Vendera last time. It was a bad move. I'll take Toffa this time. But Vendera is a black belt in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, so if he gets Toffa down, it could be trouble. Um, I'll take Toffa not confident at all, especially in that line. That's an avoid for sure. Next fight, not necessarily in an avoid. Um, maybe, shoot, if that Spencer line comes down from minus 175, I may take it, or maybe I should play it now because it is of value. She initially opened it like minus 350 or something, which sounds about normal. But she's minus 175 to normal Dumont, who is currently at the time of this recording, plus 155. Uh, Dumont is a Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu brown belt. bit thick set, so Mushu Sanda as well. So she takes the fight from the clinch there. Um... She should be fighting at 145. I just I think she, like a lot of 145ers worried for their career maybe, so that sucks. But at least she's healthier here. So I'm gonna go Spencer, and I too am perplexed to the line not being spread as wide as it should. Spencer's with a new striking coach, which I think is a good sign. Although there is adjusting period, but she's had a year to work out the kinks and whatnot, and the striking is the area that she needed to improve on. Her hustle, she likes to get after it in the small cage. Dumont will probably oblige her in the clinch, but. With Dumont being pretty strong, muscular, thick set, and a brown belt herself, maybe she's not as easy to submit unless Spencer's got able to get a clean back take early. Um, so I'm going to go by Spencer by sub. I may sprinkle on the sub. However, I would prefer to kick for coverage here and lay the chalk down, which means I would also like a better price than minus 175, albeit already a 50% discount roughly, right? So... Uh, I don't blame anybody taking Spencer in any way. I'll be looking for a way to probably back her, but I also see why the line isn't as wide as many of us, including myself, may suspect and want to respect that as well, which is why I would rather kick for coverage. But don't blame the sub prop. That's the official pick for me. Uh, David Dvorak, uh, well, we don't have, uh, I don't think, an updated line because he's not fight facing Holly and Paiva. Hopefully Holly and Paiva is okay. Uh, early line at FanDuel, David Dvorak, 460. Juan Camilo Renderos, plus 360. Um, Dvorak's obviously going to be favored here. Um, he should be the pick, but I'm going to pick Juan Camilo Renderos. How can I not, man? I remember this dude just rolling in on his motorcycle back in like 2012 when I was covering on the regular teaching, I should say, Wednesday night uh, adult beginners classes and doing kids' classes on Tuesdays and Thursdays. Um... Juan Camilo was one of the smaller guys that came in, so I taught him a lot of half guard and turtle stuff uh, because he was just going to have to be scrambling out from the bottom and in re-wrestling positions. And, um, you know, he'd always call me coach, which I thought was cute. i go to New York to, you know, chase a lady. Uh, i come back, you know, a year and a half, two, you know, later. And uh, Juan's still training. You know, he's about two and a half years in. And, you know... There's a big size difference, even you know. He, uh, he's he's a 125er. It's not the biggest 125er, um, but still, I'm like this is like a little Cain Velasquez. Like I was the one having to go to use my own turtle tricks to survive as he just scrambled and danced around me. He's like a little Tasmanian devil, um, and now he will probably kick my ass uh, ever since then. Probably the dude's just an animal, and he's been. And of course, 
you know, he was amateur fighting, uh, winning titles. Then he went pro. I'm like, wow, it's just been so crazy to watch. He was fighting on that UFC Wednesday Night Warriors or whatever that show, that, that WCF or whatever it is. Uh, I think he even got like a title there. Um, lost a tough fight. Um, but uh, he's just a hard worker, man. Really well-rounded. Um, good kid. I can't tell you his exact MO as I haven't been in the gym for a while or trained with him in a long, long, long time. But there's obvious bias here. I remember I had to yell at him to stop calling. I'm like, dude, I barely train here anymore. You can kick my ass. Stop calling me coach. And he finally did, thankfully. Uh, but he's such a sweet kid. Uh, so I'm gonna, I'm definitely going for uh, Juan Camilo uh, Roderos there. So, all right. Obviously, um, don't follow me off that cliff. Um. I may sprinkle in them, too, if that number gets ridiculous, which I imagine it will. Uh, Jack Hermanson, minus 145. Edmund Shabazian. Edmund Shabazian. Shabazian there. Talking like him from Pennsylvania. Um, I don't, sorry. <laughs> uh, Shabazian, plus 135. Uh, man, this feels dangerous. This definitely feels like Dogger Pass territory. I ended up picking Hermanson in staff pick, so I'm going to stick with that. But uh, kind of like I tweeted the Zane Simon, it feels like it's going to be an early game of 52 pickup before we see if there's a live Joker in the deck. Um, as uh, I'm not sure I can trust Shabazzian past that first round, but is he going to get there? You know, um, small cage is going to favor the grappler. Maybe some bad flashbacks of PTSD for Edmund. We'll see if Edmund wins. Uh, I wouldn't be shocked. Good luck if you bet him because it is a dog or pass fight. Uh, but I'm going to go Hermanson. I'm, I stayed away though. Uh, Bill Algeo minus one fifteen, Ricardo Ramos plus one hundred five. I think this is another one where the odds makers caught on where the sharps were at, and uh, I know a lot of us liked Algeo plus money, but uh, coincidence, it gets rebooked and he's opened at minus money. Go figure. Still gonna take Senior Perfecto. I know he's been subbed twice. That was early on in his career. He has since worked really hard in his jujitsu. Um, he's been a black belt for some time now. Um, I really like the scrambliness of his wrestling, though he could get in trouble there with a back taker like. Ramos, but being a teacher, hopefully that's also helped round Algio out. Um, and uh, hopefully uh, he will keep those fundamentals in mind because when you teach, you definitely don't want to lose or get your back taken by stupid shit. <laughs> I remember that pressure. That was one thing funny thing about teaching, especially looking the way I do even when I was in shape. I was not intimidating folks in the slightest. And uh, even one of the class, I remember one of the classes that, that Juan, Juan was in, this um, older... Uh, he seemed really just super kind and, and like old school martial arts dude. Uh, but he was, you know, and he was in like in his 40s, early 40s, granted, but he was also like 6'4 and fairly muscular. He created Dan Tom's 5'9 Asian ass. And he started kind of questioning the things I was teaching in the jiu jitsu classes, you know, and like especially the turtle stuff, saying, oh, it's not going to work. It's like, if I get your back, it's done. And I'm like, all right, okay. And, uh, Sure enough, when you know I was rotating in with them because we had an odd number, uh, so I wanted to make sure everyone was getting work. And the dude just went aggro on me, like was trying to bully me and make a point. And I was like, "Fuck, man, he's really gonna make me work for this." 
And even though I could feel that I was way more technically skilled than him, it was kind of scary. This was a really big, strong guy that did not have the greatest intentions. You get these guys walking into, you know, I was used to it from the karate days, and I'm sure it's no different, even though you think people would be smarter to do it in mixed martial arts gyms. Um, but, yeah, I ended up having to take the guys back and strangle them in a very polite way while keeping the temp- uh, mood of the class nice so that nobody did not alarm anybody else of it. And uh, thankfully, the guy... I gained his respect afterwards, but like I was like, holy shit! I I would have looked really bad if that guy fucking took my back after him challenging the lesson and me saying, no, this is this is not gonna work. And uh, thankfully, I was able to do it. Um, really random story does not connect to an actual UFC fucking fighter, Dan. But I just wanted to bring that up because you know. You, you hope that Bill Algio, um, that is part of the reason why he's fighting smarter, not just with age and maturity, but uh, him having a coaching role as well. Uh, whereas Ricardo Ramos, of course, not a coaching role because he is, uh, well, not the focus. It's a, it's a super gym, Team Alpha. Man. I don't know how much of the focus work he's getting, but that's where he's been doing his camps at, uh, which is a good sign. You know, you like to think there's a traditional stereotypical sense. Brazilian training at a camp in America, but... I don't know, a lot of uh, a lot of changes and a lot of outsourcing there. So a lot of good stuff, but I know it's a lot of outsourcing as well. But, you know, they got Mark Henry up there for Gar- Garbrandt traveling up there. You got Kieran Fitzgibbons uh, and CSA working almost like as a partner gym. So there's a lot of good influences there. It's just hard to know what you're going to get, in other words, I guess is what I'm trying to say. I'm not trying to throw shade. And with Ramos, it's hard to know what you're going to get because the guy barely sees decisions. He just tends to fall apart. He'll have good good positions, and if he doesn't finish... It's almost like he falls apart. Uh, so in those kind of fights, he's going to obviously be dangerous. But, of course, I'm going to go with a, a grinder like Bill Algio, who can still find finishes, scrap, and will fight for your money. Um, I may play him straight still, even though I'm a little sour at that line. Um, so we'll see. Uh, all right. We got uh, Ben Rothwell, minus 345, Chris Barnett, plus 315. I'm going to post this. I was looking at Chris Barnett's uh, UFC bio. Shouts to uh, my guy John Morgan over there in the MMA Roadshow. Uh, sent, sent me the bio sheet, and I was like looking at Chris Barnett's. I'm like, dude. It, uh, I think it says uh, strengths. It says um, it says grit. Oh, it says personality, uh, something else, and grit. Uh, personality, cardio, and grit. I mean, who puts personality like... It reminds me, it was that Pulp Fiction scene where they're talking about pigs a filthy animal. Dog, Dog's filthy. Dogs eat. Dog shit. Yeah, dogs got a lot of personality. <laughs> uh, so I don't know how much personality Beast Boy has, but I, I feel like he's going to get subbed here. Um, apparently, he's only 5'9 and at heavyweight, so he's like my size against Big Ben. Um, he is a striker, but he's also, whether it's in boxing or kickboxing, susceptible to being knocked out there as well. So I feel like he's going to get rocked or tired against Rothwell after hitting him and realizing Rothwell's still there. Um, and then he's going to like just shoot or something stupid for, for no reason and get guillotined. So um, I'm going to sprinkle Rothwell by submission plus 675. Um, it's a good way to play a minus 345 fighter that should win. I think we'll see if I'm right there. Um, Court McGee minus 110. Claudio Silva, new level. Uh, 
plus 100. Sorry, that's my Claudio Silva impression. Claudio Silva opened minus 150, so you bet him anywhere below that. I think that's value, and, and it's a point of entry for, for, for me, obviously, and for most by the metrics. Um, I, I just don't get it. I know he gassed. He looked, he looked awful. Maybe the age and all that stuff finally caught up with him. But he's going against Court McGee, who I know I picked Court McGee against Sean Brady and because uh, I thought Sean Brady was going to fall apart in the third round, which, you know, Court McGee had some momentum there. But obviously Sean Brady, we found out, was way, you know, is the real deal. We found that, we found that out. So you know, a stupid pick for me, but it was a flyer. Uh, but just I just I meant I mentioned that to not just shit on myself, but to show that I'm not just shitting on McGee here. I've I've defended him before, but I I don't see it here, folks. I really don't see it. Um, I know McGee's never been submitted. He's really you know, deceptively scrappy in that. But Claudio Silva in the small cage, man. Um, you know I think this guy's a second degree black belt. I want to say Claudio Silva, but. Uh, is legit. He'll do some damage, and he may gas out. Maybe surviving round three, you know. Uh, but uh, I think he can actually get McGee out of there. So I'm gonna take Claudio Silva straight up. Um, if you can get plus money, I'm, I'm trying to wait for the plus money to pull the trigger. But I was, I was thinking about it minus 105. I haven't written down here. Completely honest, I haven't pulled the trigger yet. But uh, he, he's he's on the menu. It's on the menu. Long way, Bill Algio, mate, possibly. Um, we got, uh, next, we got Bruno Silva minus 370, Victor Rodriguez plus 330. I didn't do any study on this, so I'm going to take Silva. I put it on the avoid list. Yeah. Um, same with the next one, Josh Kulabau, Chasubau, minus three, four, or minus 245, uh, Yilan Sha plus 225, uh, Yilan Sha. It's got, like, a full name that's, like, harder to pronounce. He comes from China, and he, he, uh, has a bunch of wrestling accolades and was a champion in some region. I don't know how that, how that translates, but that is his style. I didn't go and watch him. Um, Josh Kulibau, pretty scrappy, well-rounded. Uh, I'll take him, but avoid. Um, I had someone ask me about this in the week, and I gave him my opinion. And, uh, I'm gonna stick to my opinion here, and I, because I was right about the opening line, although I was surprised on the movement, as... It was open pretty much as a pick'em, but Hadzovic now a minus one twenty-five favorite. No, he was open as a dog, and now he's a favorite. Yancey Madero's plus one fifteen. Uh, I think I'm gonna play Yancey here because he was my pick. Someone asked me what they thought, and I said I think Yancey will probably be it'll probably be lying close to a pick'em with maybe Yancey as a slight favorite. But you gotta ask yourself: um, Is Demir just at Rumble Sports in Copenhagen, or did he do a lot of training like with Mads Brunel um, down at Extreme Couture here and cross training this way? I didn't see it this time around. Uh, whereas Yancy Medeiros, is he training in Hawaii, mainland, or mainly trains in Hawaii now, training with Max. Um, and Yancy is in Hawaii. He looks like he's training with Max as well. And, and you know, the normal gyms, Gracie Technics, Hawaii Elite MMA, making his rounds. I don't know if he's been working with Darren Yap, but he looks like he's in great strength and conditioning shape because it is at 155. Um, not that you've had to worry about Medeiros missing for a minute now. Unless he's fighting on short notice. Uh, but he looks in great shape. And he's gambling on himself because it's the last fight of his contract. Um, Hadzovic is deceptively good in the clinch and deceptively good on the ground. That's why I like him. But that's also where Medeiros is. You know, he is the better wrestler than Hadzovic. Medeiros, deceptively good wrestler. Uh, you just forget that because he's put against like really good wrestlers like Gregor Gillespie and shit. Um, and um, deceptively good ground game too. 
So I don't see Hadzovic having those edges. And on the feet, uh, Hadzovic, he could hurt Medeiros, but we've also seen Medeiros uh, recovers pretty pretty well. You really got to really lay it on him. And Hadzovic, um, you know, he's not the best process fighter, although he can win decisions, but he can also be hurt on the feet. So I feel like Yancey can counter him. I think Yancey can outpoint him. I definitely think Yancey can outgrapple him. So to see plus money on a guy that's gambling on himself, I can't help but oblige his sentiment and gamble on him. So, um, yeah, I'm going to be laying a little bit on Yancey as well here. So uh, you can put him down for the possible straight plays to join Spencer, Algio, and uh, Claudio Silva. New level. Uh, I'll recap these at the end. Um, and uh, lastly, but not leastly, Demir, is my ghoul off? I don't know, dude. Look in the mirror. Minus 545 against Rafael Alves, plus 465. Um, yeah, that was uh, Alves, a backup at 155. Apparently, he was on weight, but his wife like suffered a miscarriage the day of, which was really unfortunate and messed with his head. So like, he ate his way out of the fight. Um, so that's why that was that salmon excuse. So, so we all should all be careful before we speak. But, um, yeah, uh, I hope all's well there and he can pull past that him and his wife uh, but uh odds are stacked against him here i'm gonna take is off i don't think it should be as wide um i know he's real consistent with his jab and his movement and he's really well rounded um but yeah i don't know you can see alves maybe changing the game with some of those calf kicks coming from the mma masters that's kind of you know he, he throws heavy uh and um is Magolov can put can be heavy on his lead foot, so that's something to watch out for. Um, if this line keeps going up, I feel like I need to sprinkle on Alves out of principle, but the picks is Magulov here, and um, I'm probably just going to avoid it to be honest, as I wrote it on the avoid list here. So yeah, okay, let's see how we did on time. Ugh, bad. Did went a past hour. It's, I don't know how expedited it is, but oh well, let's go. Uh, taking Font over Garbrandt, taking Jaunan over Esparza, taking Tafa over Vandera, taking Spencer over Dumont. That line keeps going down. Jeez. Uh, taking, um, biasly taking Ronderos over Dvorak, taking Hermanson over Shabazian, taking Algio over Ramos, taking Rothwell over Barnett, taking... Silva, new level over Court McGee, taking uh, Bruno Silva over Victor Rodriguez. Hey, shout out Victor Rodriguez. Uh, taking Kulabao over Shaw, taking heads. Oh no, taking Maderos over heads of each. Taking is my Gulaf. I don't know, bro. Look in the mirror over Alves. Um, gonna take a stab at Yancey. No parlay pieces. Gonna take a stab at Yancey. Uh, we'll probably take a uh, stab here at Claudio Silva. I get a plus money, especially. Uh, we'll probably end up taking a small stab on Aljo at minus 120, um, and we'll probably end up laying it on Spencer. Now she's now I'm seeing her down at minus 170. I don't know if it's going to get better than that. Uh, props may lay that under minus 2.5, 130 in the main. Spencer by sub, you can still get it for plus 295 if you if you like it. And Rothwell by sub plus 265. I'm going to sprinkle on that. Avoid Tafa Vandera, Kulabao Shah, Silva Rodriguez, and Magulov Alves. Um, thank you guys for listening. Again, uh, I'm going to skip the read-throughs. I'll do the read-throughs next week. But if you guys want to keep supporting on that end for this free content, I would appreciate it. 
uh, mixedmarshallanalyst.com. Click through the Onnit banner for your Onnit purchases or the Amazon banner for your Amazon purchases. I know we don't like to shop for corporations, but if we do, there's a way to support people uh, with no extra money to yourself, a small portion of your sale, no extra cost to you. We'll get kicked back to this here podcast, which is greatly appreciated. Or if you want to donate straight up, there is a PayPal donation there, but also about advertising or asking for anything like that, because some of y'all do that way too much, by the way. Um, thank you guys for sticking with me, trying to get more consistent with these, trying to get these out better as, as things maybe get back to normal, uh, hopefully here. So, um, yeah, uh, wishing you guys uh, the best of luck. And um, lastly, uh, yeah, just uh, good luck on your picks and plays, and always protect your next.